Good morning. This morning we are entering into the third week of our Gifts of Grace teaching series. Uh, we're being guided throughout this journey by two verses uh, from Galatians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to bring the scripture passage up on the screens and, um, and just be reminded of what he writes one more time. Here's what he says. He says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, we would be reminded or hear today of your gospel, your good news, and it would change our lives, our world forever. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so creatively, what we're doing in this series is taking the nine fruit of the Spirit, and we're spending nine weeks looking at them, uh, one each week. Uh, so we started by saying that this is kind of how this list is how Paul is really saying to us, this is what you should want to see in your life. This is what we're going for. This is what formation is about. Not as some sort of religious rule, but as Paul going, this is the abundant life. This is what it looks like. Like if you add these things, what we've said before, what most parents uh, want for themselves and for their children is I want them to be happy. I think Paul would say happiness is great, but I got a better list for you than that, a more detailed list than that. We love for them to have love, joy in their lives, peace in their hearts, in their minds, in their souls, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a great list. That's a great life. That's what Paul would be looking at going, if you can get that for a day, that's a great life you're living right. That's an abundant life. If you can start embodying those more and more and more in your daily existence, that's a heck of an existence that you've got right there. That's what it is we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're working for. That's what we want to see in our own lives. That's what we want to see in our children. That's what we want to see in our leaders. That's what we want to see in this world. And so each week we've been taking uh, one week, one Sunday, and then the following week to talk about how we first define each of these words. So we spent the first week like on love. What exactly does that word mean? And then after we define it, how do we cultivate that fruit in our life? So we talked about needing to receive that love and then reflect it. Last week we talked about joy, which C.S. Lewis says is the presence of purpose. And that if we have purpose in our lives, then that is a joyful existence. This week, we're looking at the third fruit of the Spirit, which is in, probably in some ways the most elusive for many of us, which is peace. Now, we're going to use the same sort of formula this week we've used before. We're first going to define what does that word mean? What is Paul talking about so that we're all clear on it? And then secondly, once we define it, how do we cultivate it? How do we pursue it? How do we actually have peace in our life? So first, let's define it. If you look in the dictionary, which is a really great place to look if you're going to try to define a word, uh, in English, there's sort of two primary branches of how we define and think of peace. They're related to each other, but they're not the same thing. The first of these branches defines peace as the absence of conflict. It's defined by what it's not. It's not conflict. If two nations are not at war with each other, they are at peace. So it's defined by the absence of conflict. And that's one definition of peace. 
The second kind of uh, branch on the tree of the definition of peace is a little deeper. It's a little different. It's actually foundational to the absence of, of conflict. And that is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of something. And it's the presence of what the dictionary says is tranquility, inner peace, a kind of inner calm. And that is what Paul's talking about. And it's important we see the difference in the two, right? Every one of us, if you stop and think about it, every one of us has been in a situation where there is no conflict, but there's not tranquility, right? Like maybe there's been a moment or season in your marriage. Maybe there's been a moment or season in your relationship with your parents. Maybe you've seen it at a Thanksgiving meal between extended family members that don't get along, but they sort of call a truce to all come together. And maybe in that time, you avoid open conflict. Maybe in your office place, you have it where you kind of go through a season of like, let's all call a truce here and not have open conflict. But just because you have peace defined as the absence of conflict does not mean things are calm or peaceful or tranquil. And Paul is not talking about the absence of conflict. He's saying you can have tranquility, calm, contentment in your life. Now, how do we do that? Because it seems like there are a whole lot of things that seek to rob us of that and tell us it's not possible. Just this week, uh, I kind of took some time, was looking at the news, not just trying to be informed of what's going on, but to say, what is it that's in the news that could rob us of a sense of tranquility and inner calm. Turns out there's quite an extensive list of things, starting with impeachment hearings. I don't know if you've heard about this. There are impeachment hearings that are going on between the House of Representatives and our president. Um, And when you read about them or hear commentators talk about them, they're usually talking at this speed. This is one of the great crises we've ever faced, right? And so, and it just kind of bleeds through the screen or through your smartphone or through the blog post, and we kind of start feeling this way. Or then there's climate change. There was a lot written about that this week. And so that can, you know, when you really go down that path, uh, it can, can unsettle unsettling, uh, to say the least, that uh, you can go through things like there was a report this week on the growing gap between the few in our country who have much in terms of money and resources and the many who have little. And in fact, this week it was reported by one source that that is now the widest gap since that statistic has been kept in this country. And that is not a good thing for anyone. Because human history, if it shows us anything, says that a system where few have many and many have little doesn't work out well for anybody. Now, you may be sitting there going, I feel less peaceful now. Thank you. I feel more anxious and more worried. I didn't even know some of that stuff was an issue, and now I'm worried about it. And so I've come to church, and I feel more unsettled now than before. And that's true. And that doesn't even get into what's going on in your own life that can rob you of peace, right? There are people who are dealing with uh, conflict. There are people who are dealing with deception in their family and not knowing if they're being told the truth. There are people who are dealing with divorce. There are people who are dealing with loss and grief and pain. There are people in this room right now that are waiting for test diagnosis for themselves or someone that they love, and that is a great cause of fear and worry and anxiety. It can rob us of our peace. There can even be trivial things. One of the things going on in my family right now is that my oldest daughter is just on the opening fringes of learning how to drive, (laughs) meaning that she has taken some written 
exam stuff online, and that means she knows more driving rules than I knew existed, and she's known them all, and we've gone into a parking lot and driven in an empty parking lot, and even though all of those facts say we're going to be okay, there are very few things that I find less tranquil than getting out of a car, moving around to the passenger seat, sitting down, looking at the driver's side, and having my child looking back at me going, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this, right? And she's doing great, and, you know, but we're going like five miles an hour through an empty parking lot, and I have essentially put a hole in the floorboard of the passenger seat of my car doing this, trying to hit an emergency uh, imaginary brake to stop us from going four miles an hour through an empty parking lot, which she is doing perfectly with her hands at 10 and 2. There are so many things in our own lives, in our families, in our nation, in our world that are like, yeah, it's not possible to have this kind of peace. There's a British author, Matt Haig, who writes about how it even goes into marketing and the fabric of our, of our Western economy. It's a British author, so the spelling's a little different, but I want to bring this quote up here. Just listen to what he writes about how tranquility and contentment and calm are so elusive. This is what he writes. He says, the world is increasingly designed to depress us. Happiness isn't very good for the economy. If we were happy with what we had, why would we need more? How do you sell an anti-aging moisturizer? You make someone worry about aging. How do you get people to vote for a political party? You make them worry about who is trying to take what they have. How do you get them to buy insurance? By making them worry about everything. How do you get them to have plastic surgery? By highlighting their physical flaws. How do you get them to watch a TV show? By making them worry about missing out. How do you get them to buy a new smartphone? By making them feel like they are being left behind. To be calm, and see the words here, tranquil, peaceful, content. To be calm becomes a kind of revolutionary act. To be happy with your own non-upgraded existence, to be comfortable with our messy human selves, would not be good for business. There are so many factors in our world, in the news, in our families, in our hearts, in our economy, in our marketing system that seek to make us feel out of sorts. And Paul is saying... Fruit of the Spirit is the presence of tranquility, calm, contentment, peace. One of the important parts that we need to see in the Bible is the Bible, when it talks about peace, says that the idea that I can only find peace if things in the world around me are worked out, that that is a lie. It is an illusion. It is not true. So if you're somebody, or you feel this, and I can certainly relate to this, who's sitting there going, you know, if the, one, if the people in Washington would just keep, stop acting like immature adolescents and kind of grow up and act like adults, then the world would be like a calmer, more peaceful place. Or if the election in 2018 goes better, then we will have more of a sense of calm and peace and tranquility in our life. Or if my financial situation was different, then I would have a sense of calm or peace or tranquility in my life. Or if my children started making different decisions, then I would have... If these things got fixed, if I didn't have to deal with this stuff, if that was worked out, then peace would be the result of that. The Bible says that you need to liberate yourself from that notion. Because if that's what we believe, you will go your whole life anxiously pursuing things getting calm in the world around us so that we find peace. 
And the Bible says that two things are going to happen. Number one, it's never going to actually all work out and all be made right in a sustainable way. Or two, if something does get worked out and you kind of battle and get to the top of climbing that mountain to realize that you've got this, this thing worked out that you wanted to, all you're going to see are five more fires that you've got to go put out. It's an illusion. It's a lie. The Bible says that peace is not found when the storm stops. That peace can actually be found in the midst of the storm. It actually has a phrase that describes that. It says that it's a peace that passes understanding. You heard that before? It's a peace that passes understanding. It's not based on a logical sense of all this is logically worked out, so it now is okay, so the net result is I feel tranquil. It's about in the midst of life being imperfect, you having a sense of calm and peace and tranquility in the middle of that. So how do we get that? How do we get that? How do we cultivate that fruit in our life? Well, the key is actually in the scripture passage that we're looking at in these weeks. Today we're talking about in the third week. It's the third fruit of the Spirit, peace. What are the fruits of the Spirit? This makes my wife nervous every time I try to do this out of memory. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's today. Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The key is in that list. The key of how it is you find calm from this third week is actually found in the seventh fruit. The key to our peace is understanding that God is faithful. Faithfulness is the seventh fruit. Remember when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, what we said is that you can't discipline yourself to do it, and peace is probably the best illustration of that. If any of us walk out of here today going, I'm going to have peace in my heart this week, I'm going to have so much calm and so much contentment and so much tranquility, it is going to blow, my tranquility will blow your tranquility away. You will not have it. You're not even going to have like a glimpse of it as you go. But that this sort of peace comes from the presence of God. What we said is, is that, that, that the, each of these nine fruit is not primarily just an attribute we need to have, but that this is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the sign that the Spirit is in you, meaning each of these nine things is the attributes of God. That's what it is first and foremost. So it's not saying no, in week number one that you need to be loving. It's saying God is loving. And if you receive that love because that's what God is, you'll reflect it. So it's week number two. We don't discover our own joy. God is joy and purpose. And so when we get in touch with that, we have joy. And the way we have peace is understanding that, at its, that in week seven, we'll talk about faithfulness and what that means for us. But when it says that faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing it's saying is God is faithful. Meaning that whatever storms exist in your life today, right now, or in this nation, or in this world, whatever it is that we face, we do not face it alone. We face it with the one who has come and overcome it all. That's the uniqueness of Christianity. Christianity is not some idea that God is this abstract idea of love in heaven. 
that what we believe is that that love came into the world, that Jesus took on flesh, that he encountered the things that can rob us of peace, like friends betraying us, like being left out, like grieving those who have died, like uh, having a sense of not knowing what the future holds, of, of these things that can rob us of our sense of peace, even torture, even death, and that Jesus has encountered that, and yet none of it overtook him, but he has overcome it already. And what Paul writes is that in faith, we are now linked together, that now we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, that our, we are woven together as one. And as the, as the old saying goes, that we may not know what the future holds, but we won't know the one who holds the future. And he will be faithful to us. You know what, that's, it, it, what it reminds me of when I think about this? Have any of you ever uh, watched a movie that was based on a book that you had already read? You know that, that feeling where, and sometimes you can forget that you know the ending because you get so caught up in a, in a good movie and what's happening. This happened for me uh, when the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy came out. The, the third of those uh, is one of the most decorated movies in movie history, The, the Return of the King. In 2004, it won uh, the Oscar for Best Picture and a ton of other awards. And, um, and it's based on this book by J.R.R. Tolkien called the, the Lord of the Rings. And as a child, I had read both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and I loved it. And then when I became a Christian and realized Tolkien was a, a person of faith, I reread The Lord of the Rings and saw this whole other thing uh, in it that, that spoke to me. And so when the movies came out, I was so excited. And I remember being in the theater, having read the book twice, watching the end of The Return of the King. And if there's a spoiler alert coming, so just cover your ears for 30 seconds if you don't want to know what happens. But like watching it in the theater as Sam and Frodo are carrying the ring up the mountain to see if they're going to make it there alive and if they're going to be able to destroy it. And as they're going, I'm like gripping the seat. Like, like are they going to make it? And then there's this voice in your head going, you know what happens. You've read it twice. You know they destroy the ring. Like, why are you saying that? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. And as that happened, and as I thought about that, it's not that the movie became pointless, but I was able to start enjoying all of these different levels of the story. I was able to start paying attention to the friendship and the beauty of what Tolkien is writing about and talking about a friendship between Sam and Frodo. I was able to start seeing the nature of the human condition poured out and God's love and faithfulness in the middle of it. You were able to see and start focusing on all of these other beautiful things because you weren't sitting there going, I don't know if they're going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. And our lives are that way. That when you and I Look at life. We always have to remember that the, the last page in the story has already been written. It's already been written. And therefore, we can have peace because whatever it is we're facing today is not going to be the end of our story. It's a promise of the faithfulness of God that God is looking at all of us going, I didn't bring you this far just to drop you now. And the knowledge and the the trust in that should be what gives us peace. I know that many of us want church to work like a romantic comedy, where it's like just an hour and I get to unplug and sing some good music and hear a thought and then I go back out into the messy world. But that's not what church is. Church isn't a one-hour escape from life. It's about going back out into this world knowing that no matter what kind of messiness we're about to walk back into, we do not walk out of here by ourselves. And the faithfulness of God will see us through. What would it mean for you today to not just seek an escape or to avoid the things that are depressing or hard, but to look at it this morning with confidence knowing 
the one with whom you face it? What would it mean to actually pay attention and to, to move towards the things that rob us of peace and tranquility with a firm confidence that you are linked to one who will never leave your side? What would it mean for you to claim that today? Well, just as a, an idea as I close, um, uh, 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 what that at one moment in my life looked like um, took place the first year that my wife and I drove our daughters to summer camp. They're, they go to a summer camp. Uh, my, one of my kids is going to ACL today with all of her camp friends, uh, which she's excited about. Uh, this camp has become this great thing for the two of them. Um, they have no problem looking at us and going, they're like the best two weeks of my life best two weeks of every year, which you try not to take personally as a parent, like my best two weeks of the year, totally the two weeks I'm away from you, right? (laughs) And so then you try to justify it as an adult because we're still immature and we're like, well, it's good for us too. We get to do stuff we can't do when y'all are around. So like, we all like it. Don't feel like y'all are having all the fun, but they're like the best two weeks of the year for them. But the first year we took them, peace was not a part of our family's journey. Because we were worried about all the things that could happen. We were worried if their counselors were going to be nice people. We were worried about what would happen if they were doing water sports in the lake and someone took their eyes off them. That actually part's not supposed to be funny. (laughs) There's tragedies that happen. There's things that you look at just going, we can't control that, and we don't know what that's going to be. We don't know if the kids are going to be nice to them in their cabin. We don't know what they're going to be exposed to. They don't have cell phones. They can't contact us. We, like, we are turning them over. And so there was a ton of nervousness and fear and anxiety, and that's not what the kids have. That's what Beth and I have, and yet we're trying to project calm because as parents, that's what you're doing. So we're driving out there going, it's going to be fine. It'll be good. 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 We have peace. Do you see how much peace we have? Your mom and I are so calm right now. We get to the camp, and we're unpacking their stuff, and then it's time for us to say goodbye. And neither of my kids probably even remembers this, but as I gave them both a hug, I pulled back and just made the sign of a cross on their forehead. And I want you to know that when I did that, it wasn't to do some sort of magic pastor blessing, (laughs) right? And it, it would be cool if those things existed, because I could have made a lot of money that day off the other anxious parents. It's like, 20 bucks, I'll do that for your kid, right? Like, but I don't think God works that way, right? I wasn't doing some magic thing over them of like the magic pastor thing because I don't think God looks like, I don't think God was like, oh, they were gonna have a bad experience. Oh, you gave them the magic blessing. All right, we'll give them a good experience at camp. Like that's not how God works. Rather, this was maybe for them, but if nothing else for me, a reminder of God's faithfulness. It was a reminder that no matter what camp held, good, bad, indifferent, loneliness, tragedy, difficulty, joy, happiness, anxiety, worry, that in all of that, it was a declaration of nothing, nothing, nothing that they will experience will separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It was a declaration that when her mother and I drive away and leave them here, God is not driving away with us. And that was the seeds of where a peace starts to come. What would it mean for you today and this week to look at the things right now that rob you of a sense of calm and contentment and peace 
and to imagine you face it with God. As we come to this table, that's how I'm going to invite you to come. I want you to come today not just kind of in having a good time in worship. I actually want to intentionally ask you to do something hard, which is that when you come forward, I want you to name as you come forward, maybe out loud, maybe in your heart in prayer, the things in this world, in your life, in your family, that cause you to feel something less than tranquil. I want you to name it. I want you to see it. And as you take these elements into yourself, I want you to know that when you leave here, you do not leave back into this world by yourself. But you leave linked together with the one who is faithful and who has overcome all that this world has to offer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask as people that live in a broken world that we would be aware today that we do not have to solve life or figure it out by ourselves, but that we can face it with you, that we do face all the pain of this world, all the worries of this world, the storms of this world with you, and that we leave here not alone, but linked together with you who will never leave our side, and that the end of our story has been secured. May we have a sense of peace and calm that comes from knowing you will never leave our side. And may it fill us with a tranquility, with an inner calm, with a peace that passes understanding. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.